Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, into another episode of Beyond the Buoy. My name is Captain Zach, and in today's episode, we speak with Maddie Larson of Upcycle Hawaii. Maddie's on, located on the Big Island of Hawaii, and what she does is she takes trash and turns it into treasure. Upcycle Hawaii is a brand dedicated to cleaning our oceans, but also creating fun and innovative products that she can then educate and inspire others to do the same. She creates handbags, earrings, and all sorts of stuff made for the ocean by the marine debris that she finds in the ocean. She's an incredible person with tons of energy, and it was an awesome time speaking with her. So with that being said, enjoy the show. Welcome, Maddie, to another episode of Beyond the Buoy. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, and I'm really excited to learn more about Upcycle Hawaii. Um, I first found out about you guys when I was in South Point visiting one of the shops, and my mom, who was visiting me from Rhode Island, actually found one of your earrings. She's like, oh, those are cute, and she you know, proceeded to buy them. But as a result, I kind of dug a little deeper as to who you were, and then I got in touch with you. So welcome to the show, Maddie, and uh, really excited to learn more about uh, you and your story into Upcycle Hawaii. Well, thank you, Zach. Uh, it's actually very fitting um, being on the Beyond the Buoy podcast, and you have <laughs> found me down South Point because, as you know, um, we find a lot of uh, errant buoys down in that area. And so I just think, oh, no way. So there you go. It's funny how everything kind of connects. Um, so, no, we're super excited to be here and always stoked to be able to tell people about what we do and how we got here and what we plan to continue to do. Yeah, for sure. So now, Maddie, let's let's start off by learning a little bit about you and wh- what your background comes from, because, you know, I think in a lot of ways that brings context to the show and kind of helps viewers and listeners understand, you know, how Upcycle Hawaii uh, came to be. So what's your background? So personally, I was actually born in uh, Alaska and lived the okay. first two years of my life in the middle of the wilderness in a cabin without running water or electricity. So I like to say that I was like fully formed, deeply entrenched in mother nature. Um, wow, all right. <laughs> a true, a true Alaskan story. Uh, yes. Although I wasn't involved, um, you know, uh, coherent at least myself and my parents, um, my parents being kind of adventurous and old hippies, they took a vacation to the big Island when I was two years old. And it's one of those um, classic stories of they just never went home. And I was so incredibly lucky and blessed to be able to basically live my entire life for the most part in one of the most beautiful, wild, um, and most isolated places in the world here on the big island of Hawaii. Um, Yeah, it's it's really a special place. And I feel like a lot of Alaskans um, have either come over to Hawaii and visit or they are they transplant to Hawaii, the Big Island that is, um, and I'm sure other parts of Hawaii as well. But it seems to be a theme, is it not? It, it totally is. In fact, uh, we call it the uh, the Ninth Island. Vegas being the Eighth Island. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, like so no, yep. we, we actually call Alaska the Ninth Island. And for for as much as they are the exact opposite as far as climatic, you know, zones go. They are incredibly similar when it comes to rural communities. Um, you know, we have a lot of fishermen and we, we still do a lot of hunting, trapping and farming. And so, yeah, we for as much as we're opposites on one extreme, we are very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, I can totally agree with that one. I, I have some friends. Um, so I've now since moved back to Rhode Island because of the coronavirus. But um, 
I the people that I did meet out there who are from Alaska, it, it is a very similar culture in in many in more ways than one. Yeah, and, and even when it comes to art, you know, um, in addition to being lucky enough to grow up on the Big Island, I was super lucky to grow up in a little mountain town called Holualoa, which is the mecca for two things, which are art and Kona coffee. And so I just was entrenched in this amazing, hardworking neighborhood where half of our community were just really hardworking, you know, basically coffee farmers. And the other half were just these super cool kind of out there um, artists. And so I just had this really kind of cool upbringing where I got to spend so much of my time in Mother Nature, because as you know, still still here on the Big Island, um, we have a lot to do outside and it keeps us very busy. Um, and then I got to go home and one of my neighbors was a Koa woodworking artist and he let us play in his wood shop. Um, another neighbor, um, you know, did other types of art was painting and some cool resin work. My dad was a rock wall builder, a construction worker and a Mason. So I just was heavily influenced by people that did things and made things with their own hands. Um, and you know, I entered my first art contest in kindergarten. And I have literally, oh, no way. Been, yeah, and, and I, I won that one, although it was a long time since then that I won the contest. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've just been making things my entire life. And the environment has always been my inspiration because since as long as I can remember, I've spent most of my time outdoors, whether it is in the mountains on an active lava flow or out on the ocean. Yeah. And well, having been to and lived in on the Big Island for a little bit, um, it it's safe to say that it is so ingrained into the environment and the people there and the culture, it really breeds this, you know, uh, this power of, you know, Hey, we have to be outside and you're, you're very self, you become self-reliant in, in whatever way that is, whether it's, you're actually going and catching your own fish or just being able to, you know, kind of absorb the culture. You really have to take this sense of independence in order to do so. Uh, because it's not just going to come and surround you. You kind of have to go to it in, in some ways. Um, so that's very interesting. Like growing up in this environment of artists, outdoorsmen, and people who have just influenced you to then connect you to where you are today. Are there any moments in that time or maybe maybe one person that really sticks out to you that kind of you know put the nail in the coffin, so to speak, to then lead you on to what you're doing today? You know, it's really hard to nail it down to one people because I was so blessed to um, be surrounded by so many of them. I can say that one of, I think, the kind of formative experiences that I've had um, that kind of have culminated in, in where I am today is taking trips down to that southern coastline when I was very young. I mean, we I was nine, maybe 10 years old, and we would go down to the South Point coastlines and hike them. And we were literally as kids, we were playing what we called King of the Plastic Mountain. So oh, I was no. Oh, dude. I was exposed to, 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 oh, I, I'm like speechless right now. I was exposed to marine debris on a massive, massive level. Um, and I'm 36 years old. So this was decades ago. And, and I got to be completely honest. And I'm somewhat ashamed to admit it now. Like as a kid, we called that trash beach. And I thought that was normal because how else? Can you explain driving off road for an hour and a half and then hiking an additional 45 minutes to get to one of the most remote coastlines in the world? 
only mm. to see it absolutely covered in plastics and ropes. Um, like, I mean, you know, everything from a fishing basket to a Barbie doll. And, you know, it wasn't until being in my global environmental studies classes many, 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 many years later that I realized that, oh, my God, that is so not normal. And, whoa, I'm a part of that problem. And, and so I think being able to have been exposed to the marine debris and plastic pollution issues from such a young age. And, you know, Zach, I got to be honest with you. I've watched the environment around me degrade. Um, you know, I've been snorkeling reefs like Kahalu and Kealakekua Bay since I was a child. And to come back to those, you know, 20, 30 years later is, is not an easy thing to see the actual degradation and, and you know, loss of um, habitat in my own neighborhoods. Yeah, and it's funny because it's not, you know, it's not only one place, but, um, you know, being in Hawaii and it being such an isolated place, especially the Big Island, because I think people think of Hawaii and they think of Oahu and Maui and, you know, tourism yeah, and all these, you know, pretty place and, and very pristine. And you go to the Big Island and it's like a 180. Now, it's a very pristine, beautiful place. And yes, there is tourism, but it's a different type of tourism. Like you're not getting your nails done or a spa. <laughs> there is you're going on a boat, right? You're going hiking or ziplining. Right. Are you or going ATV to the lava or, flow? You're yeah. going to the lava flows. When, you know when they were flowing. Exactly. Um, it's it's a very more it's a it's a rugged experience compared to Oahu and Maui or even maybe places on Kauai. But I know that's very rugged as well. Um, but you're right. Like here you are as a kid, and all of a sudden you see this plastic covering the beaches and it's not that you weren't ignorant it's just you were you weren't you were you were too young to really realize you're a kid you were you were you were too young to realize what was going on um but back in those days there was this ignorance that kind of disseminated throughout that was like all right well we have this plastic but i guess it's just it's just going to be like that right it's just going to be the new the new thing but what i found when i when i was living in hawaii is that Hawaiians are able to take that and they really want to make a difference because the ocean and their environment means so much to them. Yes, yes. You know, and and I think a lot of people also because people live in places in the world where you have access to things for so long. I, you know, you mentioned earlier about how the Big Island is kind of very much self-serving in that like we are able to make things happen and whether it's farming or fishing. You know, as I mentioned, I'm, you know, 36 years old. I grew up on the Big Island in a time before we had stores. We didn't have a Costco and we didn't have a Walmart. And, um, you know, and so I actually had this mindset of not only did we not have bottled water, because I don't know how old you are, but that was the thing that came about in my lifetime. You know, we, we also didn't have a Costco to go to and we didn't have a Walmart to go to. In fact, it got so bad that school supplies would run out on the island and, we have like my grandmother would send us boxes full of composition books. And, huh. and so I think a lot of that mindset comes from like for, for us, that wasn't a so long ago history that and we've had dock worker strikes in the past where you literally can't get toilet paper because the dock workers are on strike and our we don't right. have local toilet paper making facilities. So it, it is an interesting and weird perspective to where. We do, we're, we do, we're able to provide so much for ourselves, but we do, we have become very reliant 
um, on the shipping industry and getting things to us. But, but a lot of us still remember when we didn't have that readily availability to go down to the, you know, to the local store in that, in that manner. And I think that's really bred this, you know, this independence within the culture on the big Island, because, you know, you can go up to Waimea and, you know, get fresh beef and you can go down to the shores and get fresh fish. And even if something were to run out of the Island, we're going to make, we're going to make it work. Right. And you know, that it's a, it's a great segue into what you're doing because here you are taking this, you know, you're, you're turning trash beach into now let's become self-reliant and actually make products out of it and use the resources around us. So what's the, all of a sudden you're surrounded by artists, you start growing up and then at what point were you like, all right, well, let me start trying to get more involved with my environment and trying to make a step towards, you know, reducing the marine debris on trash beach and obviously elsewhere as well. Yeah, totally. You know, full, I will fully disclose and admit that I probably should have started my business much earlier, but I lived in that mindset of, although I grew up in this amazing place with these amazing influences, I also grew up, you know, with less means than the average person. Um, you know, it was a hardworking, low-income community. And so I lived in this mindset of like, I, I'm not an artist and I'm not an entrepreneur and I'm not a business person. I'm just a regular, you know, whatever collar worker. And so there was a really long time that I was making things and, and crocheting, you know, pop tabs for literally over 10 years now. And it finally took me kind of convincing myself that, you know what, no, there there is something to this. And it wasn't until late 2014 that I actually entered my first farmer's market and admittedly did so very hesitantly because I had this mindset that we, I had to have all these posters and all these signs and all of these different products. And, um, and really, I'm just really proud of myself for talking myself into doing my first farmer's market because it's, it's this weird thing, you know, I, I don't know if you experienced a similar thing where you, you know, you kind of look at like, well, in order to be a business person, you have to have all of these resources and all of this stuff. And, um, you know, finally I was like, wait a second, you got to start somewhere. So, so yeah, I entered my first farmer's market, um, in late 2014. And at that point I was still full, fully employed. Um, I, I can't remember what job I had at that time because I have lived many lifetimes, <laughs> um, you know, and, and the different jobs I had. But it was finally in April of 2016 that I quit my full-time employment. At that time, I was a high-end concierge at a private resort. Um, and it was interesting. People told me, you know, you're not going to make it. Things aren't going to happen. But I, I jumped out there and have been working my butt off ever since. And, you know, really, Zach, it was a combination of my community supporting me. I, I did that first farmer's market, and I had just a couple of pop tab crochet bags and some bottle cap magnets. And if it wasn't for people responding to what I did, and not necessarily buying it, but looking at it and, and saying they liked it, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have continued to go back. And then I got my feedback from customers. You know, what, what are you going to do with plastic? What are you doing with this and that? And um, really, I listened to them and started playing with other materials. The fused plastics came about in around 2016. And, um, and then the marine debris came about as kind of a suggestion from somebody on Instagram who's like, why aren't you melting that stuff? You're already collecting it off the beach. 
Um, you know, so I've life my whole life I have been a creative and an entrepreneur because I had lemonade stands and you know art oh, yeah. stands when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But it, it took until you know uh, it 2016 for me to really think that I have the gumption and ability to do it and take a chance on myself. Um, and I like to tell that to people because I, that's my way of telling people like there's not going to be somebody to tell you that it's time. You have to just do it. Um, yeah, and- I think that's a really powerful message. And what you just explained in, in that story right there is so powerful in the way that so many people, I believe, have been in that position, including myself. And it's that that fear of starting and doing something. You know, even having started this podcast, like you put you put something out there and you're like, well, are people even going to want to listen to this? Like, how am I going to get people across the country to want to be on the show? And and there's that little bit of fear. But at the at the same time, you don't know unless you go and do it. So and you just have to you just have to try it. So I what you just said right there is something that I think resonates with a lot of people out there. And I'm really glad you brought it up because not many people, you know, think back to when they were in that position where do I need to, do I want to start this farmer's market right now? Like, are the people going to think my products are good, bad, okay? Like, am I going to want to come back? Um, I think it's really great that you just explained that. And I think it'll help people out there that are wanting to start something. So um, thank you for that. And yeah, totally. One thing I want to ask is you're you're naming out all these products. You, you're saying that the <laughs> bottled cap crochet, the the the, uh, the pop tab cro- crochet. I'm sorry, the bottle cap magnet. Can you explain a little bit about like your first products and you know where did it actually where did the ideas come from? Because to me, I look at the beach and maybe I can put some things together, but to make products out of plastic and, you know, marine debris, that's, that takes some, you know, some real creativity. So can you dive into a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I do have to premise that by saying like, it is an, a natural innate talent that was gifted to me by mother nature or whatever the heck. Um, you know, it's interesting because I meet a lot of people that say they're not creative and I, that does not resonate, you know, with me whatsoever. So I'm just very blessed that I have this innate a talent to look at just about anything and be able to visualize it as something else. Um, so, so I'm just lucky for that. But I, so it kind of all, all started really back in the day with the kidney dialysis clinics, Zach, believe it or not. We used to collect the pop tabs off of aluminum cans. I think we all are pretty familiar with these. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep you pop them off the top of the can. And they were, you could trade them in for, um, actually for getting like people credit towards kidney dialysis. Um, there are some really cool programs that still do similar things, but anyway, all of my neighbors, um, you know, you go to any garage here on the big Island and there was like a big old mail container that had been washed out that they were stacking the, you know, aluminum pop tabs in. And then the kidney dialysis clinics stopped taking them and everyone was kind of already trained to be collecting them. So I kind of saw this amazing resource as somebody who has been a creative her whole life, but didn't have a access to a craft store because <laughs> there was no such thing when I was right. here. Um, yeah. And B the necessarily access to the capital to go buy everything I wanted. So I had to really get creative to be creative. And I really started playing around with different ways of weaving pop tabs. And, you know, this kind of does go back to those days at the beach, you know, my uncle and auntie and my mom and dad, 
they, we would go down there and they're all creative people. They would build these statues or they would put something together. And, and so I, I really kind of, you know, saw that firsthand and really was kind of impressed with this whole idea of like, there is no excuse when there's all these things around you, you got to be able to make something happen. Um, and so, you know, I, I, then my grandmother taught me how to crochet um, when I was about nine or 10 years old. And then one day I went, wait a second, why am I weaving these pop tabs when I could probably crochet them together? And, you know, through some trial and error, which was very frustrating at times, um, I figured it out. And then, um, you know, kind of like hit the ground running with that for a long time. And I was a bartender at the time um, when I really started to crochet pop tabs. So it was kind of this unique um, situation of like, I'm a bartender, I'm surrounded by all of this material. How do I put this material, you know, to good waste? Uh, or not good waste, to, to good use. Good use, um, yeah, good yeah. Good use, yeah. And then, you know, I had, um, I was working at a bar in a liquor store at the time, and the liquor store actually allowed me to to do that while I was in the store. And um, one of the people that was up there, this was in the town of North Kohala at the time, was one of the local store owners. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I want to sell those. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you want to sell my stuff? And, um, you know, and then I actually ended up moving from North Kohala back to Kona and taking a job where I was surrounded by paper, which then got me looking at all this paper I was throwing away. So we started dabbling and doing some upcycling with paper. We did, we were doing some earrings and different things with that. Um, and then really I started to do beach cleanups, um, get really active with Hawaii Wildlife Fund. Once I started to pursue upcycle Hawaii full time and began to make my own schedule, I was able to work the beach cleanups in there. And then I just became obsessed with plastic um, and started to literally fumble around with my iron at home with different temperatures. And um, fortunately, I had an education about plastics um, back in high school and college. So I, I know a lot about the chemistry and physical properties, um, but started playing around with plastics and got a really good response to those, you know, um, those products at the farmer's markets. I mean, I cannot stress how valuable my years in the farmer's markets were as far as my product development. Um, and then somebody on Instagram mentioned the marine debris and started playing around with that. And that is, you know, vast become one of my best sellers. And right now I am literally surrounded by fabric remnants everywhere um, because we've had to make a very quick pivot and we're, we're processing fabric scraps and making um, masks. So it's always kind of an evolution. And for a long time, it was like kind of where I was working and what the materials were. And then it was kind of just the climate of the environment. Um, and, and then just being willing to test out processes and being willing to fail because, you know, not everything works the first time and you got to be willing to experiment along the way. Yeah. And that has a lot of truth in it too, you know, to, to kind of, piggyback off what you said earlier and what i find interesting the most is that here you are you're you're going throughout life and not only are you going from job to job but along the way you're almost picking up ideas and you're starting to evolve and grow uh for upcycle hawaii and it, it's almost as if oh you see some more materials over here oh i can make this or i can make that and you know you go on your website and you have so many products and it's just amazing that like I'm, I was looking at the wallets earlier and the, the, the bags that you make with, um, and then you've also done some collaborations with Sundot Marine Flags uh, with Tina. Yep, yep. And there's so many different types of 
plastics and, and marine debris that are out there, yet you're able to find so many different products to, that match and mimic the what you're finding in your environment. I find that really, really interesting and just very resourceful. Um, it's almost as if you're born to upcycle. I will say I, that. That's what I would say because <laughs> – you know, yeah. like people say, like, you just asked me the question, how do you do that? I'm like, you know, I, it just, it just flows through me. I don't really, I don't really know. Although it is also like the side effect is it is a problem. Cause if somebody throws something in the trash can, like, I want to go peek in there and see what it was. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I have to like really stave off being a hoarder. Right. You got to refrain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. So then, you know, with all these products, you obviously need materials. So where does all the plastic come from? Because I think that's a re- that's a really important part of Upcycle. And from what from what I've read about you and heard about Upcycle, that that's really a, a good portion of your story. So where do you get all the materials for all the products that you make? Yeah, that's a great question. That is a question that which answer has evolved. You know, I started by basically utilizing my own trash and and being kind of a dumpster diver and bugging my my friends and my neighbors to see what they were throwing away. And that was, you know, all kind of fine and good when I was doing my farmer's markets and, and making small scale. And then um, I actually got an opportunity back in, oh gosh, late 2018. I got a my first like really large order for 600 bags. And that was when I kind of went like, whoa. Um, and then re- previous to that, I had another client who contracted me and she's like, I'm going to want like a hundred and some rubber inner tube bags, like on the regular. And I was like, Whoa, okay, hold up. And so I really had to kind of change my thinking. And then I was like, well, wait a second, I need to start talking to local businesses. Um, and you know, so the majority of my materials now really come through working with local businesses, um, you know, there's vacation rentals and they have to put toilet paper in all of their vacation rentals and all of that toilet paper comes in plastic packaging. Um, and you know, the, all of the bike shops have, they help people with their flat tires. And then we have the Ironman season, which comes around and these businesses really don't want to throw this material away. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting to be the person that calls somebody up to be like, so curious what you guys do with all of your trash. Um, you know, and they're like, wait, what? I mean, I had, I had, you know, the, the big local tire shop, which isn't a bicycle shop. It's, they do, you know, like tractors and trailers and like the big inner tubes. I mean, the guy like was so confused by by me at first. He's like, wait, you want what? I'm like, I want to trade you beer for old inner tubes. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, a true Hawaiian (laughs) trade. That's like, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the situation I want to set up. And we now had been around on the Island, um, for a solid five years now. And we have been very fortunate through, you know, podcasts like yourselves to, to kind of become a thing and people know about us and we, I get calls all the time. I mean, I picked up several bags of wetsuits from a boating company on the Kona side a few months ago. Um, People call up and say, are you that girl that takes our trash? And I have to say, hold on, wait, what do you have? But it's now I'm in a situation where I don't have to really chase the material in fact, because of the change also of people just really being more environmentally conscious, I'm, I'm literally receiving calls all the time of businesses that have a, a for me, a great um, material supply or a great stream of uh, materials. And um, so, yeah, we're getting them, them in bulk. And um, we still do have our studio open to the public, not currently due to COVID, obviously, 
but we we do have hours on our website where people are also able to come in twice a week and drop off you know their old plastics or rubber inner tubes and we like to take that time to kind of educate them as to what we actually do process and what we don't process right right and and because of covid i mean you've mentioned Bert, before that you guys are doing some masks like uh to help ems and other emergency services out it has how's that transition been from making bags and inner tube wallets and so on and so forth to just totally doing a 180 and and going into mass i mean you know the honest answer to that is it's been weird <laughs> yeah for sure um, you know like it's it's been great because i i hate not having something to do and so being able to simultaneously provide a service but also make some sort of revenue stream back for my business has been an amazing experience um, but, but it's super weird. I, I still, I still kind of can't believe that that's what we're doing and I'm making PPE pouches and face masks. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a trip because that's, um, that's definitely not the, the world that I personally want to live in. It took me a long time to, to get the social distancing thing down. Cause I'm a local girl, right? <laughs> I like want to reach out and touch and do the whole thing and, and, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been really kind of easy for us, you know, to be honest. And, and I, I feel kind of bad saying that because I know a lot of businesses aren't having as easy of a time as we are, but you know, I am a manufacturing facility. I have thread, I have snap pouches, I have Velcro. Um, and thank God my community is so supportive that I had so much fabric delivered to my doorstep um, in the last three weeks. It's, it's unbelievable. So, so for us, it was actually, you know, other than being weird, it was heartwarming and, um, you know, gave us a purpose and continues to, um, but, it, but it's not the world that I want to live in, you know? No, and I don't think it's a world that anyone wants to live in. And, and I think this too will pass, um, like, like anything, right? And, but it's about, you know, staying connected with your community and having that community that surrounds you being able to you know, continue to give you guys, give you fabric and, and materials to work with. I think it speaks a lot, not, not only to you as a person, but also to what Upcycle, Upcycle Hawaii has done for the Big Island and, you know, elsewhere as well. Um, and a little segue into the community part, in what ways are you kind of, you know, giving back to the community, being a part of it, because I know you work with um, local schools as well as, you know, having some interns and younger kids in that are, you're teaching and kind of passing down this craft of taking, you know, what someone would look to be as trash and marine debris and then turning that into an amazing product. Yeah, you know, we, um, it's super cool to have, especially the new studio that we're in now, because it really provides a space where um, we can use it as a tool. So we hosted our very first field trip um, in the new space just a couple of months ago. I want to think, say it was back in February. Um, so okay. that is something that I'm hoping once we, you know, get to, to be around people again, we've been utilizing our space to actually do um, real in-life field trips. I, Very I do cool. virtual, virtual speeches and studio tours. Um, quite often um and i actually just did a one-hour presentation to the university of hawaii at hilo um yesterday via zoom to talk about what we do in sustainability oh, oh very geez. cool yeah I how'd was, that go it went, it went great um you know it's it's just uh it's such a big holistic problem that 
you know, like for example, here in Hawaii, as you know, back in August or not August, it was October. We had that, the big news hit, right. That like, we don't recycle plastic anymore. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a whole bunch of people kind of jumped on this, like, Oh, blame the County, blame China, blame this, blame that. And, you know, so I really relish in opportunities to be like, you know, kind of like can't blame the County and we can't blame China because we've only ever recycled 9% of plastics that have ever been manufactured. So it doesn't work and it is a global economy. And, and it's, it's because we have been, you know, utilizing low grade plastic. So, you know, it, it's always a great, you know, opportunity for people to see the big picture, because if we just focus on, you know, one version of it and then start pointing fingers, you know, we're never going to be able to, to fix, um, you know, the current plastic crisis that we're in. And it was, you know, a great engaging group. Although, again, I would have much rather been there in person. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Yeah, and, but, you know, it's, it's very true. Like, as soon as people start pointing fingers as to whose plastic this is and who did what, the, the problem doesn't get solved. You know, it, it's people like you that are actually going out there, collecting the plastic, creating, um, you know, areas in, in places for business to, to get rid of their uh, debris and plastics and whatnot. And for us to then upcycle that and, and create it into product, because at the end of the day, none of this goes away, right? No, it just doesn't no, disappear. No. So, and it's crazy to think that every piece of plastic or every piece of debris that you've ever thrown away is still exist in existence, you know, it's, and it's most likely floating around in the ocean. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that alone makes me speechless. Um, Specifically when I've been able to, um, you know, literally wash it, watch it wash on shore, you know, every, every once in a while. But, but that's, you know, that to me, that's the, the biggest thing, right, is, is impressing upon people that like, do we want to create materials that are going to outlive us on this planet? Um, you know, even, even with my products, Zach, you know, to a certain extent, sometimes I feel like I'm greenwashing. Because yes, I can turn toilet paper into really beautiful stuff, but that doesn't mean that I, I want to always do this. I, I challenge people to put me out of business because I'll be able to find something else to do. Um, I would love to, to get to try to some other material, you know, or whatever it is. Um, but that, you know, but I also know from experience that, you know, I do, you know, I shout out to Hawaii Wildlife Fund. Um, you know, they have removed almost 300 metric tons of marine debris from that wow. eight mile coast. Yeah. Holy dude. crap. Yeah, dude. From an eight mile coastline and just That's 15 insane. years. It's insane. It's insane. And, and, um, you know, and I can take people down to the beach and, sh- and literally show them, um, you know, pieces of plastic that have, have fish bites out of them and bird bites out of them. And, and that's very impactful, but in my own personal experience, that is not as motivating as when I show them, Hey, you see this old, dirty, ugly inner tube, check out what we can do with it. That to me is more of the thing that flips the switch in somebody's uh, mind. You know, my, our mission statement is, is to give overlooked and underappreciated materials a second life. And I love that. And yes, and you know, it's less about the landfill diversion, although I think that's great, but trust me, I, although I'm keeping track of what we're doing and we're at like 15,000 square feet of plastics diverted, it's a drop in the bucket. Wow, holy crap. Congrats. Thank you. But it's still a drop in the bucket. You know what I mean? So if I can, if I can change the way people look at things and one of my personal goals for my lifetime would be to change the way the world uses the word trash. To me, just the way we use the word trash 
is um is part of the problem because something's not trash until we decide that right everything is a resource until we put a label on it and, and throw it in a, a mixed bin and i truly believe that we have like used the term trash so much and we live in such a disposable society right now that that kind of mentality has trickled into how we treat people our relationships and if we could hold more value for even the daily items in our life i feel like that value would then be paid forward into you know the way we value our environment and our friends and our family and our community and the strangers mm-hmm. around us yeah and i love your perspective on on your own existence as up, upcycle hawaii in I mean, you said it yourself. You're like, if I I want people to put me out of business. And that's such an interesting perspective coming from a business, especially in a, in a time like this, which is completely unprecedented, right? Where a lot of businesses are struggling, but you know, here you are being able to kind of push through in any way you can and succeeding at it. But on the same time, you're like, well, put me out of business because I'll be able to find something else to do. But what? But your message is that you want to really help and, and be a part of a community that not only helps protect the environment, but doesn't do it at a, at a cost to detriment it. And I think that's a really interesting dichotomy because you're right. There is a lot of companies out there that will greenwash things. And make it seem as though that we're doing something good for our oceans. But on the flip side, what we're doing isn't actually helping. It's a really interesting dichotomy that a lot of companies kind of, they finagle their way in there. Um, So I guess my next question for you would be in terms of, let's see, getting the word out. Because I think that's a really important thing in, in inciting behavioral change. What do you see as to how you can go about that? Like not only just selling your products, but actually getting people to change their behavior and how they interact with the the resources that you're, you know, that most people call trash, but we call resource. How does that go about? Well, you know, I, for as much as I am not a, I'm not the biggest fan of so many people living in the world of computers and social media these days, it is an incredible tool. Um, I mean, I use my, and, and I, I'm, I am a, mostly an Instagram user because I'm mostly a visual medium. Um, and I only have time to really run on one social media platform these days, but I find that really you know, sharing the story and being, and being fully transparent, you know, like, you know, being honest with people, but, but showing them what we do and what comes in, um, and how, and how to do it. Um, you know, really the, the, the transformation of the materials, um, I think it is really impactful and important for people. And, you know, imitation is the best form of flattery. So I'm, I'm hoping that people can go out there and, um, you know, kind of find their own niche. But, but I just really do my best to, you know, to share my stories from whether it's beach cleanups with Hawaii Wildlife Fund or where our materials come from, um, you know, and just, yeah, I mean, being honest and sharing and sharing on social media, you know, of course, we've like gone out and done our, we have a little YouTube um, I guess it's called a channel. <laughs> yeah, YouTube, YouTube channel. channel now. And yeah. I used to publish a more um, a more regular blog. Unfortunately, um, that's coming back on the schedule here soon um, because I I just think that educating, you know, like 
one of the questions I get a lot is, um, you know, why don't we recycle all plastic? And that's because not all plastic is the same. I mean, not everybody even understands that there is differences between plastics. So it, it's it's really hard to you know know what's good and what's bad when you know it, it takes a um a bit a bit of a um you know some understanding and knowledge, and so I just try to do my best to to really share as I told you you know I, I try to go live on Instagram once a week, and um you know although there's not like a whole ton of people that come up they they ask great questions and they give me great ideas, um and you know continue to inspire me to go forward so. Yeah, well, just continuing that interaction, you know, it doesn't matter what interaction and what scale that is, but any interaction is a good interaction. Like even our conversation today, like I'm getting ideas for things that I, what I can do to help the ocean. And I'm, I'm sure in some ways, you know, you might take something away from this podcast as well. So it's about collaborating with other companies and with people and just sharing ideas and really just the idea of protecting the ocean and at the same time being able to, you know, have some sort of net benefit from it as well, um, which I think is really important thing to, to be for, right? You know, in a lot of ways, we want to, yes, we want to protect our coral, we want to protect our oceans, but how can we do it in a way that we can get everyone to do it? Because I think what happens is people, they want to make those changes, but it's really hard to make those changes. So by educating people on, hey, this pla- this type of plastic is you know recyclable, or this type of plastic can biodegrade, and so on and so forth, and educating people on that makes it easier than them having to go out and research it themselves. Because I don't think the majority of people want to do that, right? No, it's um, not fun, <laughs> Yeah, it's not fun. You know, it's unfortunate, but it's not fun. And but unfortunately, in order to really create the change, we need to create the behavioral change. And it's people like you who are actually giving them the 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 recipe to do so. And not only that, you're also showing them, hey, well, you can make products out of all these recycled materials. And why don't you take a look like just you're, the fact that you're going out and educating is going to do more than just physically selling that product, right? Yeah, and, you know, nowadays, too, like, um, the cu- the customers have changed. And I can say this because, personally, if, if I go and I want to buy your product and I, you know, I go to look you up and I can't find, um, you know, a video or I can't find all this other stuff, then I may not necessarily buy from, from you because – what, what makes you, you know, the expert in your industry or, or why would I want to buy, you know, specifically your product? So, so to a certain extent, like I'm also keeping up with the customer and, and I appreciate that. You know, I, I tell people it's important to know who and what you're buying from. And if they're not going to tell you how it's made or be fully transparent, um, you know, then maybe you should rethink that. Um, I know that's not always easy, but it's definitely um, one way to, you know, to buy correctly or think about, you know, what you're spending your money on. Right. Um, no. And I, and it's something that I bring up in, in almost every podcast. And I, I always say it cause I, I really strongly believe in it that if you're going to make a vote, vote with your wallet. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and every time you purchase an item, uh, uh, food or, or go to a restaurant, what restaurant that is, what shop you're going to, who you're going to support, 
it, it's the mighty dollar, which unfortunately, right, we don't yes. want it to be that way, yes. but it is that way. And we have to realize that. And voting with your wallet is how we do that. And in the companies that you want to support and see go long, for a long term, then we got to support those companies. And by supporting Upcycle Hawaii, not only we're supporting you as a person, but also the fact that we're, we're removing marine debris, we're educating people on the ocean environment, and then we're also perpetuating that the, the idea of we need to protect our oceans, but at the same time, we can also benefit from the products that we're able to create from the plastics and the marine debris and the garbage and the trash and what have you, you know, whatever kind of label you want to put on it. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, on that note, I, I do want to reiterate what you kind of said a moment ago and empathize that it's not easy, right? Like it, there are times when I'm put in a position, like personally, my vice is coffee. I am a coffee holic. I grew up in the land of Kona coffee. I am, I am sometimes put in a situation where it's like, oh, shucks, I don't have my to-go cup. I really want a coffee, but am I willing to use that single use coffee cup? Like what's, you know, it's, it's, it sucks. It's a sacrifice. I'm like, well, I guess I won't have that coffee because to me, that's the right decision because I don't need right. to create all this waste, you know, and so many, I mean, I am a, I'm an entrepreneur and a small business owner in the days of COVID. I've been working a hundred hours a week these last several weeks and going to the store is a nightmare. I mean, it, I, I'll stand there in the aisle sometimes and be like, oh, my God, what is my most plastic-free decision? Like, I all, I truly understand how hard that that can be. And as somebody on a budget, it is not cheap to always make the sustainable, um, you know, decisions. And so I like no, to call it an investment in the environment mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I, I have, like, that's the, the best spin, you know, to put on it. And so just to, like, you know to empathize with people, but reiterate what you say. I mean, when you buy a plastic bottle of whatever off a shelf, you're telling that company, thank you for making this, please make another, um, you know, and you have to keep that perspective. And, you know, it's every time I go down to these beach cleanups, you know, we're driving the hour and a half drive four by four bumpy drive back out. And quite often these people that are exposed for the first time, they're, they're upset with Coca-Cola and they're upset with Nestle, you know, and, and it's like, I, yeah, I'm upset with them also, but I did, are you going to stop buying the Nestle Pure Life bottled water? Because, right. you know, if we could, if I guarantee you that if we all stopped buying the cup noodles that comes in the styrofoam container, that Nissin, that company would figure out a different packaging device that was sustainable to get us that cup noodles to get their market share back. I, I guarantee you that. Um, Absolutely. And so in that way, we do have, you know, the power to change the big companies. But if we continue to sit around and wait for them to make those decisions, we're the driving force. It's, you know, it is. That's why everything's so crazy right now is because they don't have our money being spent. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and it's really it's the companies that you support are the ones that are going to help create that change because they want to the companies that truly care are the ones that want to help you. Right. And in, in whatever way or if 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 that means creating a sustainable USA made US cotton pair of jeans, then that's going to help you. Right. But know that 
that those jeans were made by Americans, by with American cotton, sustainably made. So why not support that then and and spend that extra twenty five bucks because that that pair of jeans is going to last you thirty years there rather you than go. that rather than four years. Nailed and it. I guess I guess for me. I would rather buy something once that's really high quality and spend that money up front than to have to go back and fix it and repair it and support at the end of the day some sort of industry that doesn't support me, right? Dude, that is like I I claim that plant this obsolescence and this like junk <laughs> that I that is one of the biggest scams other than bottled water being perpetuated on the human race. For sure. Um, I, know, I couldn't I, agree more. And I think from even for me, I'm very health conscious. So I try to eat um, organic, grass fed as much as I can, right? Because I am on a budget as well. So yes. I think a lot, a lot of people are, and buying grass fed beef is expensive, right? Um, but the times that I can, I do it, right? Because that to me is a better investment than going to the other end of the store and buying the frozen beef from a different country that is not supporting what I want to support. So, and not only that, it's not as good for my body, right? So try to make that investment, not only in yourself, but in the community that you want to grow and perpetuate, I think is really, really important. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and then like on that same note, you know, that is one of the reasons I started making things in the first place. I, um, I, I'm an outdoors person and I was tired of buying stuff and having it break on me on the first, second, third time of using it. And so I was like, wait a second, this can be done better. Um, you know, and so in addition to upcycling, it is our mission. Actually, part of that mission statement is to make quality products, um, and, and to stand by them. I mean, I like to put myself up there with Patagonia. If something happens, call me. If it breaks, we'll fix it, which is highly unlikely, but like we, you know, we don't take shortcuts. Um, and you know, and that has come back around in the last five years to where our originals are still out there and they're still being used. Um, but I, I do think it is important to lead by example as a manufacturer and that like, even, even our face masks, you know, we didn't rush those to market. I went through several iterations and wanted to make sure that what we were putting out there was something not just to like fill a gap, but to like really be alive and out in the world to have a to yeah, go right. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And I think you know those face masks. Like after this pandemic thing's over, they can be reused as, hey, now you're going to be doing some woodworking. Throw the face mask Dude, on instead of buying those disposable ones. They're so, so much more like, comfortable than my my other woodworking masks. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and they don't you don't have to throw them away at the end of the day, right? Nailed so. Well, you know, I think this is a really good segue as to, you know, a question that I always like to ask at the end of the show, just because I think it, it kind of wraps things up very nicely. And the one question I always like to ask is, is there ever one moment in the history of Upcycle that you've kind of looked back on and been like, wow, that was a real, that was such a learning experience um, and, and where, where, where is that learning experience kind of brought you today? And what, what did that kind of show you? Wow. That is a good question. It's a heavy question. It's a heavy it question. Is. It is. <laughs> I'm trying to decide like on what, 
on what level could, would you actually repeat the question for me one more time? Yeah, so like okay. is there one is there one thing that sticks out to you in your journey of upcycle Hawaii that really resonates with you? Something that you might have learned from, something that you you it was like a really big takeaway for you or maybe this, you know, shift in perspective. You know, I honestly Zach, I honestly think it was that very first farmers market. Um Okay. You know, I I kind of told the story. I I was on a waiting list, and then when they called me to tell me the booth um, was available, I actually initially said no, um, and then immediately hung up the phone and went, "Wow! Like if you just gave yourself an excuse, you'll have an excuse next time, right? Mm. Like that that like I know myself too well, and that's a slippery slope." I immediately picked back up the phone. I called the lady, and she kind of scolded me at first, um, like this is a real popular event. You could have lost your thing. Da 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 da. And, and I apologized. And, um, honestly, I think it was standing there with my booth as humble as it was, but having people come strangers come up, touch things that I've made, ask me what it's made out of kind of have a little mind blown moment. And it was then that I knew that I had a long road ahead of me, but that I, I was in it and I would do anything that it took um, to continue to trudge forward. Um, and, and so I think it was really in that moment that I just made that decision, um, you know, and then of course there's just been so many things, but, but really if it wasn't for that feeling in that moment and having pushed myself through that gate, um, you know, nothing else would have happened like literally. So, so I, I really have to go back to that. Of course, this whole COVID thing has been really interesting and a real learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, on, but really possibly even less impactful, um, in the whole thing than just realizing that like, yes, I can do this and you're the only one, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like you just have to make it happen. So, yeah. so I, I, I really do. I really do think that. And, um, you know, and that's why I say like, it doesn't matter what you think it needs to look like. You'll get there eventually. Like you have to start. I'm sure your podcast didn't start with like a hundred listens on the first day, right? Like no, absolutely not. Yeah, and and it's it's baby steps, and um. So yeah, I I I think um you just gotta you just gotta get out there. And for me, it was um I'm here, I'm in it. Um, this is this is it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And yeah. a, a true grassroots story. So with that, Maddie, I, it was a real pleasure speaking with you. I know you got to get on to an Instagram live. Um, so again, real pleasure to speak with you. Would love to have you back on the show. Maybe once over this COVID thing is over right. and maybe for a little bonus in the future. Um, but yeah, any, uh, well, where can people find you? Well, they can find me on my website at www.upcyclehi.com. That's upcyclehi.com. I am very active on social media. Um, We are Upcycle Hawaii on Facebook, but you can just check us out on Instagram at Upcycle Hawaii. I mentioned we have a YouTube channel, so you could look us up on YouTube. Um, And then I invite people to reach out to me. I mean, if you're on the big island and you want to get out on the beach cleanup, you know, if you want to bring us some of your materials, if you have general questions, um, I try to be very available, although sometimes the response time is a little bit shorter. And then um, I just want to thank you, Zach, for, for what you're doing. Um, first off, for oh, well, putting I appreciate other podcasts. That. Yeah, for putting other podcasts in the world, because as somebody who consumes like 10 to 15 hours of audio content a day, 
Um, oh, wow. It's great, right. to have more st- <laughs> yeah, it's great to have more stuff out there um, for giving me a platform to talk about um, what we're doing, this, you know, the situation of plastic pollution, um, you know, the hidden, you know, trash impact on our shorelines. Um, and yeah, just, just keep up the great work. And if you ever get back to the big Island, which hopefully happens soon, we'd love to have you in the studio and we'd love to get you down, um, to the South coast yourself and, um, you know, go down and haul some ropes into the back of my truck. I am, so. <laughs> I am so down. You can count me in. Right on, right on. Awesome. No, we, we All right, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Stay safe and healthy and hit us up on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time. Thanks, Maddie. Totally. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of Beyond the Buoy. I was a pleasure speaking with Maddie today about Upcycle Hawaii. If you want to learn more about what she's doing to clean our oceans and create amazing products, you can head on over to our website. She has tons of interesting products over there that you guys should take a look at. Also, give her a like on Instagram. Follow her, like her on Facebook, give her a follow. And as always, we want to support the show, and you can do that by leaving us a review. Reviews, five stars, goes a very long way, especially on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. And then head on over to our Instagram and Facebook. Check us out. Tons of interesting and cool content over there. And hopefully by the end of the month, we're going to be having some merchandise coming to our website. So stay tuned for that, and we will see you on the next show. But before we end the show, as always, work hard, do good, and be incredible. Thanks, and have an awesome day.